Welcome to Awards Radar, the podcast, a weekly discussion of the awards races, Hollywood news, and the films you should have on your radar. Here's your host, Joey Magidson. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Awards Radar podcast, now coming to you on the other side of Valentine's Day. So um, the 28 Days of Love are still going on, but they could slowly form into hate. We don't know now. The holiday has passed. Anything's possible. Um, Miles certainly, which he's here, so he'll say hello in a second, um, certainly hated what I told him was going to happen with the column next year. So, uh, or the exercise, I suppose. So, um, still, still in the love mode though, right? Uh, you know, we've been bouncing back and forth. Um, I mean, I love my wife, don't get me wrong, but yeah, the, yeah. Movies... That, that, the important one. <laughs> Listen, you, you are a man who in your vows, uh, specifically called out that she was wrong about movies. Oh, only sometimes. Yeah. Um, yes, no, uh, our intrepid uh, editor-in-chief had some very interesting constructive criticism for the column next year that we will definitely be considering from afar beneath some well, flames. Again, I think as long as I have Kelly on board, it's all that matters. And well, I can get her on board. I can get her on board. You get her on board for some stuff. The pure flicks might be a bit, uh, might be well, a that's bit where, of a that's sell. Well, that's why we're going to negotiate on air. But yeah, I, uh, last week, I think I even said it. Did we do this while we were on the air? Or it was just before? And if we mentioned it, whatever. If we mention it, you're going to hear it again. Um, next year, I want it to be 28 films he hasn't seen. Because I want more of the 13 going on 30s. I want, I want, uh, but uh, next year, there's a, a leap year. So they got to watch leap year on leap year. That was We have talked about already. that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's going to be more of the, the movies I think people want to hear you react to. And uh, my my addendum to that was I need one pure flicks movie or, you know, faith based film. So, you know, they they got love, too. And I gave them a couple options. So we'll see. They all have the same plot, it seems, though. I read them three movies and they sounded very similar. Yeah, I I can't say that any of them really jumped out at me as seeming like something. Well, do you want to watch the plight of a country music star or a firefighter? Those seem to be the two things. Yeah, I guess either way, they have to be played by Kirk Cameron, right? What if I what if I told you you were watching Ladder 49, but I just switched the discs? How long would it take you to realize? Like, I haven't seen Joaquin Phoenix for a long time. I mean, I've seen Ladder 49, so I, I'd probably key in pretty quickly. How much do you remember about Ladder 49? Not much. I saw it on TV like well after the fact, but I remember liking it. How many actors from that movie can you name right now off the top of your head who are in the movie? Joaquin Phoenix, John Travolta, done. Uh, give me a third. I, that's the I, two. I, I don't got a third. Is Robert Duvall in it, maybe? It seems like the kind of thing he would show up as someone's dad or grandpa or whatever. I want you to be right. But I I, I just looked it up, and I got the third. I had the third one, so we're good. I, and you mixed up Robert Duvall with presumably Robert Patrick. Oh, really? Like oh, paternal role. I did get the, the, the love interest right. And I, and I can't believe I pulled that. Uh, Jacinda Barrett. Oh, Good on you. I would never have pulled that in a million years. She's only in like three movies I've seen. She's in that. She's in The Last Kiss. Did I just uh, pretend I knew a third movie she was in? Oh, no. We got him on the spot live on air, folks. <laughs> um, she might have been like Poseidon or something like that. One uh, of those like big ensembles. Sure. That, that, real, real memorable stuff is what you're saying. Sure, sure, sure. Whatever. Uh, Ladder 49, probably better than Fireproof. Miles will find out next year. Mm. Oh, we it's, set it's, it up it's, well now. Oh, it's it's so nice that you have dreams. 
Uh, listen, we'll, we'll talk. We have we have uh, almost 12 full months to make this happen. And listen, this is this is all part of the negotiations. You'll have to, you know, um, maneuver with uh, 31 days of horror to to, to make it uh, even. Yeah, well, I've already started feeling. I've already started feeling like the kinds of things I can get away with in 31 days might be not as flexible as it used to be because now I'm going to be feeling it a few months later. I mean, well, that's well, it can go one of two ways. You can either play it easy and hope she takes it easy on you, or get your money's worth, knowing that given what you can subject her to, there really isn't an equivalent. You know, you can. Well, yes, and I mean, hers is like the 13 going on 30s are the stuff I really struggle through. Mine is like, you know, audition. Yeah, you can you can be like, I'll trade you. I'll I'll I won't show you solo and you can show me. um, Just 27 dresses. Oh, just friends. There you go. I about to say 27 dresses. I think your brother even suggested. I think that's got to happen. Yeah, well, on the 27th, Natch. Well, I think, yeah, there you go. I think the way you can do it also is you can you can go for some more of, like, the indie Sundance romances to at least be a palate cleanser. Not that they'll be necessarily better, but, uh, you know, the camera will move. Right, exactly. Get a little bit of cinematic flair in there. An actor with facial hair. Oh, my God. Could you imagine such a thing? I see like seven of them every every time there's a festival. Yeah, I can, unfortunately. I was um, watching um, 1954's Sabrina, sh- like literally just before um, starting to record. And there's yeah. a quick moment in there where um, Humphrey Bogart's in his office, like shaving. And I'm like, what? what is he shaving? Like that man is just like, I feel like they've got to glue on facial hair when he does it for like Sierra Madre or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like, is he just going down to the bone? What's happening here? And it's a straight edge too, isn't it? It's not a. It's not even like a chick. Well, no, because it's he's the big uh, corporate office man, so it's one of those like it's like a electric one, but he had to plug it into the desk. Oh, the old fashioned, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah I know. It's like a box, very square. Well, yeah, well, yeah. It's uh, like a little handheld thing with, with like a really goofy cord. Yeah, yeah. No, I've I, I barbershops still sometimes have those. It's almost like a finisher. Like I, I don't really know what it does. Just. Shaves you, but not as good, so you have to use it second. Well, it's that it's that classic trope of like the businessman who doesn't have time to shave at home, so he's got the little electric thing that he just does like between meetings. Yeah, he's just walking around doing it as if we wouldn't punch people if we saw them in public doing that. Quite like, like I don't want your hair anywhere near me. I think that people like do their nails in public, like you know, trim their nails. Imagine if like in a movie, someone just walking clipping their fingernails. Oh. I had no time. Ugh, monsters, a lot of them. Speaking of monsters, 28 Days of Love. So if by some chance this is your first episode of the Awards Radar podcast and you have no idea what the fuck we're talking about. Uh, no, 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 they have to go back and listen to all 123 previous. I'm so sorry about Sugar and Spicy. Um, I'm in the middle, of, actually dead in the middle right now, of <laughs> yeah. uh, 28 Days of Love, which similar to my annual 31 Days of Halloween – we're watching a romantically tinged film every day uh, this month. So uh, we have a couple new ones. I think last week we probably left off with Amelie. Yes, I want to say that was accurate. Okay. So the next day then, speaking of Bogart, we did an all-time classic, Casablanca, uh, which, yep, we've talked about it here numerous times whenever we get into like, you know, best films of all time kind of conversations. 
Um, it constantly shows up there, and every time I watch it, it just re-justifies itself to me. It's a masterpiece. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, it's, like, also enjoyable among, like, just being great. It, it never felt like homework. Well, I remember the very first time I saw it being so struck by how funny it is and yeah. just, like, how, like, conversational it is and how engaging it is. And, like, the love story, like, doesn't show up until you're, like, several layers into, like, the political intrigue plot. Um, so it, it really, like, it kind of sneaks up on you and by the end you're invested. But up front, it's just, it's just entertaining, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Uh, so after that, we did a, a little bit of a Shakespeare double tap. Uh, we did Kenneth Branagh's Much Ado About Nothing, uh, which I saw back in high school when I was uh, dating the vice president of the Shakespeare Club, because, you mm-hmm. know, I was the cool guy. Yeah, uh, um, And it's fun. Listen, Kenneth Branagh's a ham, and he's in his element when he's doing Shakespeare, and this is... During his peak, um, I think it's only a few years before his version of Hamlet. Um, So, you know, he's in his element and, you know, he's great. Emma Thompson's great. It's great to see Michael Keaton get to reprise Beetlejuice in something, if not a direct sequel. Uh, uh, You know, it's it's a fun time. It's it's you know, your tolerance for Shakespeare may vary, but I, I find his adaptations very enjoyable. Yes. We will probably talk more about Michael Keaton reprising his roles uh, oh, later. Do we have to? Yes, because you're 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 we finding yourself more in. We didn't talk about the James Gunn uh, slate. I don't think. Uh, no, we'll get to that when we talk about. So, spoiler: we'll talk about the Super Bowl commercials because Miles probably only saw them online, and I saw them in context. So I'm curious if there was any disconnect there, um, and that'll lead us to uh, the slate because right. uh, yeah, we we actually didn't didn't discuss it. I think we might have discussed it, but we didn't do it in, like four people. Not on air, yeah. No, so we, we, a couple a couple weeks we, late. Here's what we think yeah. about DC. We we forgot that we have to do it in front of people. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, well, then let me finish up here. So after much ado, yes. we did Ten Things I Hate About You, a bit more of a modern take on Taming of the Shrew. Um, it's a classic. It's one of the best high school comedies of its type ever. Um, Heath Ledger, RIP. He's an absolute dreamboat. You're lying yeah. if you say otherwise. I don't care what your orientation is. No, there's a lot about that movie that is uh, iconic because of that performance. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, I'm not just... that everyone else isn't isn't good. I think it might be both of the female leads' is best work. Probably, yeah. Joseph yeah. Gordon-Levitt is, is is great, but it's not, I mean he's done better stuff because he's had more to do. But for a role that's very com- comparably throwaway. He's he's also you know a ball of charm and a it, they bounce off all four seem to bounce off each other really really well. Yeah, well, I mean, for the first half of the movie, he kind of tricks you into thinking that he's the main character, and it's not yeah. until they really get into the Julia Stiles Heath Ledger stuff that you even realize that they're <laughs> the main characters, and that uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and his love interest just kind of fade into the background a little bit. Excellent uh, cinematic dad, also. Oh, one of the best. One of the best. Just just put on the pillow, put on the pillow, or the belly. I forget what they call it. Oh, the belly. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just put on the belly before you go out. <laughs> so good. Oh, good stuff. Um, after that, we did one of my most pleasant surprises of the whole experience so far, which is uh, Steve Martin's Roxanne, uh, yeah. his take on Cyrano. I, I had seen the scene uh, online of uh, the insults in the bar. 
um, yeah. which is, you know, funny in isolation. But otherwise, I knew that he had done it, but I had never seen the film and I never really knew anything about it. It's a riot, man. It's so much fun. It's just it's got a lot of really just solidly constructed gags, the kind of thing where a movie could like still be a legitimate romance, but also just be really fucking silly from time to time. Uh, yeah, it, a real good one should. Yeah, it just finds a great balance there. I don't know. I, I had a really fun time with it, and it kind of caught me off guard, too. It does the rom and the com. Exactly, and it it nails both. Which, side note, um, there was a recent How Did This Get Made episode on Wild Mountain Time from a couple years ago, where they described it as neither rom nor com. <laughs> but I think Miles might have to be the judge next year. Well, yeah, remind me, and I'll put it on there, because I definitely remembered it existed before you said the title just now. Oh, that's it's Emily Blunt and uh, Jamie Dornan, and it has one of the most batshit insane twists ever for a rom-com. So you'll like that part because you'll be baffled. Oh, we could maybe do like a little block for you of like twist rom-coms. Oh, God. Because there's another like in the in, in the are there 28, though? No, but there's at least two that I just thought of because you haven't really dug into the Nicholas Sparks of it all. No. I've I've seen and, the notebook. I like the notebook. Well yeah, enough. you saw the good one. That's not fair. Well, yeah, um, it's fair to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you need to watch Safe Haven. Oh God, because it has an all timer of a like. Wait, what the fuck? To the point where I think you'll be glad you saw it because you'll now live in a world where you know somebody thought this was a good idea. Fair enough. Should I throw on the Matthew McConaughey fishing video game movie while we're at it? It's not a rom-com, but you really should have that one in there somehow. Yeah, we'll figure. Oh, you know what you could watch? You know what you might like more than you thought? Failure to Launch. Failure to like, Launch? It's one that came up. Yeah, yeah, because it's McConaughey and Sarah Jessica Parker. But McConaughey's parents are uh, Kathy Bates and the football player slash sports commentator Terry Bradshaw. And it's just... Those three individuals sharing a scene is like a Mad Libs game, and it works. It's charming. He's, you know, he, there's a baseline for someone who has charisma. And sure. the problem you'll run into is a lot of these people are black holes of charisma. They just look good. Or one person them. is, or one person is doing a lot of the work. Yeah, so we've had one or two already where one person's doing the heavy lifting and the other person or persons are kind of just a black hole of charisma. Who is who is Amy Adams opposite in, in Leap Year? Uh, Matthew Good. He's good. He's always good. You want to you want to you want to keep that statement maybe in your back pocket a little bit? He's I mean, good. he's been in bad. I mean, he was the bad guy in Watchmen. Like he's, you know, he's, know. he's, he's not a good thing, but he's good. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. It's like uh, if I like him Mountain more Time, often than I don't. Fair. We'll we'll test that theory. Yeah. Wild Mountain Time is made by John Patrick Shanley, though. Oh well, then the guy I behind, like it. Uh, guy behind Doubt and Ghost and something. Uh, somehow I doubt I'll enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Well, keep that in mind that like you've seen him do good to great work, right? No, I've just seen Moon- Doubt, which I didn't like. <laughs> no, oh, wait, wait, Moonstruck. Have you ever seen Moonstruck? No. Oh, well, that's... It was nearly on, on the list, but it wasn't streaming anywhere. Oh, well, this is what you have to do. You have to back-to-back Moonstruck with Wild Mountain Time. Uh, okay, well, you you, then, you sit on all these wonderful ideas for next year, and we'll discuss in January. 
I'm so I'm so consistent with being able to remember the things we plan on doing. Oh yeah. Um, but should I? It will. Uh, it will definitely work. Um, so quickly, John Patrick, Patrick Shanley, Moonstruck, The Five Corners, which I don't think any of us have seen, The January Man, which is a movie with Susan Sarandon. All right, cool. Um, Joe versus the Volcano is him. Mm. Uh, Alive is him. Oh, We're yeah. back a di- We're back a dinosaur story is him. Is it like he directed that? He wrote it. He wrote it. Okay. Still. And uh, he wrote Congo. <laughs> well, you See? know, sometimes you just got to get out there. I mean, when you watch Wild Mountain Time, think after about you watch Moonstruck, <laughs> you might think about Congo is the thing. Ooh. I, I'm really not underselling it when there's a there's a thing in the movie where you go, wait, what? Come again? You might rewind. Uh, but that's for next year. What else do we have for uh, this week? For this week, uh, after Roxanne, we did Once, which I've been trying to show Kelly for a while. Um, I love it. I've loved it since it came out. I used to own the uh, soundtrack on CD. I don't know where it ended up. Um, but um, And she adored it. Although, any as I've quickly learned, not that I'm super surprised, anytime one of these doesn't end with a clear-cut happy ending, her response tends to be something on the lines of, what is this horse shit? So yeah. uh, she, she likes a more conventionally happy ending for her romance, which is why she wasn't thrilled the way we started the month. But mm-hmm. um, uh, this one she really liked a lot, ending notwithstanding. And how could you not? It's beautiful. The music's great. They're both so charming. It's it's an easy win. Sure. I, I, I like the, uh, the dynamic because it reminds me – it's the only time we'll probably have this comparison – it reminds me of one of these, I don't remember if it was in the book or one of the conversations between Barack and Michelle Obama saying how, how different their movie taste is. Yeah. You know, she she likes a, she said she likes a Hollywood movie, but like loves a like a biopic, especially one, you know, centered on someone who looks like her. Like given a very like I go to the movies answer. Right. Um, but still within the realm of there's nobody who will find this objectionable for the most part. But then she turns around and goes and. And Barack likes movies in German where people die, where the main character dies at the end. And people were sad. <laughs> like, he watches shit that I do not enjoy. Because how could anyone enjoy this, essentially? So, I like the idea of, like, she'll, like, Michelle would watch once and be like, great, I wish they had gone together. And Barack's like, they both lived. So, it's a pretty happy ending, I gotta say. Yeah, yeah. There's, I can see how this could this could kind of go one-to-one a little bit. You audition ends and you're like wasn't that gnarly wasn't that great and she's like that poor man <laughs> we've got to figure out how to do like a sandwich month where it's just every other day <laughs> uh let's see well what's in the middle of february and october june march and september april and august so may and june Although, minor spoilers, we are already somewhat at work on something else that we want to do over the summer. So we'll keep you all up to date with that. But there's a little sizzle for you. 30 days of action? Uh, Close. Sci-fi summer. Ah, sci-fi summer. Well, passengers will have to be one of them. Oh, fuck you. I've already got a good (laughs) list. How how dare you constantly (laughs) sully my lists with your tripe? Well, there's a, they, oh, that could, that could go for 28 Days of Love next year. 
Oh, there's no... Uh. Passengers, the movie where Chris Pratt gets horny and kills Jennifer Lawrence. Maybe maybe this is a good idea. We just do enough bad ones. We'll wear down Kelly's love of these movies, and then I just won't have to do it at all anymore. See? See? Now we've got this. You gotta... You gotta tell her... You, oh, wait. I have an even better idea. It's a risk. You feeling risky? <laughs> what do you got? You do all 28 films for 28 Days of Love. She does all 31 movies for 31 Days of Horror. Oh, God. All that risk. I mean, that I don't know. High risk. I don't know if it's high reward. I think I'm going to end up watching a lot of crap is what's going to happen there. And she'll get to watch all this classy French stuff. And I'll be over here like, oh, Night of the Scarecrow Part 3, huh? All right. She's like, uh, so we'll be watching Jennifer's Body seven times. For uh, 31 Days of Horror, because it's kind of a romance also. Uh, yeah, no, I could see. No, nah, her take on it would be Hocus Pocus for 31 Days. No, I, I'll veto that. It's not a horror movie. Well, we've had it on the list for two years. I know. It's still not a horror movie. No, but it's always been horror or horror adjacent. It's just because it's scary to children. Whatever. I mean, listen. It's the, it's make... the aesthetic. If it's got a spooky aesthetic, I count it. Sure, sure, sure. I, I rarely make... Uh requests for the horror one except when we um except when he makes me watch a vhs sequel that i never wanted to watch (laughs) it was mainly because steve had watched it and i was like oh there's a ready-made one for one of these weeks and you definitely haven't seen it yeah you were hyping up ratma well before that well i needed to get you to like watch it without kicking and screaming and it is it is it is either way the best segment i mean (laughs) ratma's cool Best, best of some slim pickings, sure. Hail Ratma, that's what I say. Anyway, let's see if we can get <laughs> through two of these in a row before a 10-minute tangent. Um, after once, we did one that's been on my to-see list for a very long time. Finally got around to it. Harold and Maud. Uh, it's very indie, very quirky, very dark humor. Um, I quite liked it. I thought yeah, it was cute. Good. It's not... I- it's not a favorite. It's not one that I'll probably think too much about it, but I enjoyed it. I believe the chemistry between them, which for a movie like that is kind of the central thing that you have to get right. Um, it's unique. It's different. It's fun. It's, you didn't get a uh, creep vibe out of it? Not as much as I got out of the following day's film. No. <laughs> so no, I know I know when you describe it to people, it runs the risk of like, what? what is this pedophilia? No, it's, it's not. No, the way they the way they presented in the movie, it comes about very organically, and it's you know by the time you get towards the end, it's like yeah, this is this this I don't know. There's it feels very natural and lighthearted, and sure, I I'm a it. little surprised. I mean, I like it too. I, I I was taken by the soundtrack. I I believe you might have had a more mixed bag on that, but I um, yeah, no, it's literally every single song was a Cat Stevens, and at a certain point, I was like, oh god. <laughs> I love a, every time it kicked in is just like now nah, this is I, I do love homeboy a, homeboy's uh, stuff sounds too similar for me well that's what I kind of like about a, a single artist soundtrack isn't that um well see it works when like Simon and Garfunkel did it for the graduate but sure that's, that's in this best use it's, it's like it's just I don't know it felt like the same song over and over again a little and bit. interrupted you know by the end credit song from extras somewhere in the middle sure um, you know what um, does it better than I think people remember? Away We Go, the forgotten Sam Mendes movie. It's I forgot like it so Murdoch much movie. I went back in time and never saw it in the first place. Oh, it's 
Does that count as a rom-com? It's a romance. They don't really have to be calm. I wouldn't call any of the before uh, films comedies. I mean, I guess, I mean, uh, Away We Go is closer comedy than than romantic, but. Maybe it's about a relationship. It's probably valid. I would, would, listen, see, I'm I'm, I'm a benign dictator. There's a benevolent dictator. (laughs) Um, You can have, uh, you can have that one on the list next month, next year. That'll be a, a fun compromise pick. Oh, lucky me. Does that count as my choice? I think yes, this isn't one. as I think you underestimate how less how much less fun this is for Kelly if she's not the one curating. That's true. But I just need to rope her into remembering that the um, causing you mild agony is enjoyable for her. Well, she did have a very good time last night because so yeah, I teed you up. She, he teed me up. Yes. So last night was Valentine's Day. Uh, we're recording on Wednesday. You'll be listening on Thursday. Um, very good time. We uh, went to the historic Lobo Theater and saw there's something about Mary. Um, and maybe there were she got some laughs from the movie, but Kelly spent most of the night laughing at me for all the different faces I was making, reacting to... I, this was my first time. Interesting. I'd seen... By the time I got to the end, I realized that I had seen large chunks of it on TV, mainly from the second half. Um, mm. So I knew how it sort of wrapped up, and I... I knew the gist of it but i'd never like <laughs> gone through the whole way um i don't know that i dislike it but i wouldn't say i liked it either um it's it's, it's fairly brothers it's, it's very fairly it's very fairly and it's one of those things where it's like i don't know every now and then you'll get a really f- clever or funny bit or a really sincere moment and then just like hardcore back-to-back three of the most like insensitive or just like off-putting or like just really unpleasant moments you've ever seen in your life and then like rinse repeat yeah they 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 have they're they're decent at their romance and they're like when they want to have heart um as some of the scenes in this movie show and also i think um shallow how some of that is is well done but yeah shallow how is a good example of they also love a racial stereotype or they or, love just um, like some really gross humor, like some of the stuff they do at the expense of the um, mentally challenged. In I was that about to say they don't seem to like very, the disabled. Oh man, it was like I was really glad that the uh, the one character was revealed to be faking it because yeah. the running gag where he's trying to pick stuff up, like I was just squirming in my seat, so uncomfortable. And she was um, enjoying watching you squirm. Yeah, very much so. And yeah, remember the, the hair gel and all the yeah. While you were watching the the jizzy hair gel scene, remember that one of those two people who birthed that film has an Oscar. Yep. And when uh, and when they they decided it was a great idea for uh, everybody to look at Ben Stiller uh, as he injured himself with his uh, zipper, one of those two men directed a movie that won Best Picture. Oh yeah. <laughs> seen within that context wasn't it art well keith david looked like he was having fun and that's, yeah and that maybe that's the important thing how, how do you how do you feel about the the zipper scene how, does it go on too long oh it goes on for fucking a hundred years it's it's torture i remember uh, seeing it the first time and being stunned how long that scene goes on well that was the thing and i think that was it for a lot of it is like oh these aren't jokes these are just like scenes where like 
it's not like he even does anything wrong. It's just like one horrible, viciously brutal physical thing happens to him after another for no reason other than just he's there for it to happen to, I guess. Like, yeah, it's, that's it's, the main downside for me is I, I don't like they, they, they're very mean to that character. Well, I like, in that sense. Well, not only that, he's not a super interesting character. I mean, I never like Ben Stiller as a straight man. I always think it's like the least interesting thing you can do in a comedy. Um, yeah. And even by those standards, he feels pretty paper thin here. But oh, even he's written just to have things happen to him. Oh, totally. But I'll still take that over the Matt Dillon character who like I literally every time he opened his mouth, I wanted to heave. Yeah, it's a big swing. It's I just they miss, but it's a big swing. I mean, listen, he's going for he's doing the best Johnny drama performance that anyone could have ever given. But um, he could have had his brother. Well, honestly, his brother would have been a better fit. Um, I know this role. I got it. Oh, this is me. I relate to this character. Yeah. Um, You guys guys just want to take clips from the show and like pay me half. Yeah. Yeah. For real. I, I, I don't know. It's again, not a miserable viewing experience. Don't hate it, but there's enough grossness in there that I don't exactly love it either. And this was in a theater. Yeah. So, so, so pretty packed. Like, and most of the people around people, us were into it. I would say you're surrounded by fans as you're like watching individual scenes where you go, how could anyone like this? Yeah. I will say best scene in the movie was um, like the one scene cameo by Richard Jenkins. As the uh, therapist sneaking in, that's really good. I thought you were about to say Brett Favre. No, I mean, that's a that's a kind of a fun bit because they reference Brett this whole time. I mean, he's yeah, a terrible only, actor, but what do you I was about to say, that's the thing. He he is he is maybe one of the worst actors ever committed to film. Well, yeah, like, but I get that, that's not, not why you get him for that scene. Like, he should have been in the room. Yeah. Yeah, there are a few room-esque moments for sure. If he, if, if when they, in it, when they, I was about to say inexplicably, but we know why, switch out the actor playing that character towards the end of the room. Yeah, just if swap it was in just, Brett Favre. <laughs> if it was just Brett Favre at the end, would it, would the movie make any more sense or less sense? It, it, it would be exactly the same. Exactly. And it would make, how many maybe movies? a little less sense just because he's a name and it's like, what is he doing here? And now it's distracting. Can you imagine? I, but, but would you put it past, I know this is another. The tangent. We'll, we'll end this one in a minute. Could you could you put it past Tommy Wiseau to have somehow had like two million dollars to pay Brett Favre to show up in that movie? No, I mean because I, I somehow cost five or six or something like that. Oh no, and he pulled it all out of his pockets. Yeah, no, it's outrageous. But yeah, um, that's the other thing. Everybody got paid. He's better. Got like, paid. I mean, he's better in many ways. But I was about to say he's better than the Weinstein's. Like he made a production that everyone got paid on time. Like how does that happen? Yeah. He's, he did that right, if nothing else. Well, he's got to do something right. Did you ever hear him when he saw the disaster artist, what his response was? Um, I, I probably did at the time, but it's been a while. Was it something like he was like quibbling about the accuracy of something? No, it was even it was even more Tommy of it all. Because uh, Dave Franco was on Marin. He did Marin like right after talking to me, I think. So like, sorry, Mark, I took all the good questions, I'm sure. Um See what I did there? Because Marin's a much more famous and bigger name. Mm. Um, but he talked about making the disaster artist w- and saying that they're like, well, that guy's wild. How did you like navigate him? And, and they said basically they were very like w- w- kind of leery of showing him the movie at the end because, you know, he wasn't saying it out loud, but like he's a crazy person. Like, 
what's going to happen? I'm like, I don't know that he can stop the movie, but like, he could probably harm it. And they wanted to see, like, can we send you a DVD? Can we, you know, they wanted to show it. He's like, he wanted to watch it at the premiere. And they're like, oh, no. All right. So he goes to the premiere. He goes there. He watches it. And they he comes out at the end. They go, Tommy, what do you think? And he goes, I approve 99.8% of it. And they're like, all right, well, what's the what's the 0.2%? He goes, there's a couple of scenes at the beginning that are too dark. You need to work on your cinematography. And they, they look at each other and they realize he was wearing his sunglasses when the movie started. <laughs> there it was. Like, yeah, it was some sort of like little quibble like that that was like, yeah. oh, okay. Like also like, did you watch the movie, Tommy? Or <laughs> All right, cool. Could you put The Room for 28 Days of Love? I, I did suggest that, and I think we might next year. There we go. See? I mean, it, if that movie's about anything, it's about love. Well, lust. Inexplicable, unexplained lust. Mm-hmm. Sex that just happens because Tommy Wiseau thought it was a good idea. It That's happened it. the way it happened. I would love that out of context to pop up. Sex that happened just because Tommy Wiseau thought it was a good idea. Well, it was either that or him becoming a vampire that drives cars off of rooftops. So, you know. Exactly. Or, or maybe I'm a vampire. We see. Um, so. Um, and then the last tonight, uh, right? and the last one is Tonight, yep, which is I Saw the Original Sabrina by Billy Wilder. I have owned this film for over a decade because I got it as part of a box set and just never got around to it. Uh, it's good. It's cute. It's very charming. Have you it's, seen the new one? No. One, new one. No. Right? That was the only one that Kelly had seen. Uh, but she didn't remember it very well. I was about to ask if she if she had any remarks on the on the comparison. No, right. she she seemed to like the new one though. I mean, listen, you got Aubrey Hepburn, Humphrey Bogart, William Holden, Billy Wilder writing and directing. Like this is like cla- the classiest of classy like middle of the century Hollywood. Um, yeah. And you know it plays well. It's very romantic. It's very you know the dialogue's nice and sharp. The actors are really good. Like it's just. It's wafer thin and there's not a lot of complexity to it, but it it's it goes down very easy. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way, a good way of putting it. All right. Do you want to say what's coming up next week or just we'll tell them next week once you do it? Uh, well, I already tweeted about it and you'll hear about it. On I, the I know. That's why I was. I, OK, so, yeah, you can if you want to find it. That information is readily available. Or find uh, me on Twitter at Miles on film. That's M.Y.L.E.S. on film. You just have to now do it again in an hour. So joke's on you. Um, all right. Let's do, before we do questions, let's uh, talk about um, James Gunn and the Super Bowl trailers. So let's do the trailers first because we can rearrange to talk about that. Um, we have a post with most of them on there, so I'll go through them. There are one or two that... I, I think there's include. really only one or two that I have anything to say about, but go ahead. Yeah, well, we'll go, we'll go through real quick. So stuff that I know played that we didn't mention on this post because I'm referencing the post... Uh, cocaine bear. Um, I see it on Wednesday, so we'll talk about it in a couple weeks. I'm sure you'll have seen it by the time we do an episode on it. Probably. Yep. Looks fun. Um, I don't think they showed anything new from memory or it's mostly the same stuff. No, no, no. There was one or two other things that I think they weren't included, but they were just that. So, yeah. Uh, let's see. Scream six, the big game spot. You are not interested in that franchise. I think it looks interesting. Um, but also like, you know. I got to I got to see it to know what what they're up to because they never in, a, in the trailer tell you what their thing is in a screen movie. Right. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. I, I couldn't care less about this movie, honestly. Oh, really? I'm quite looking forward to it. Yeah, but. You know, 
the fantasy of it all is more, I think, your bag than mine. True, but I'm, it I like think I'm more. I think I'm more looking to it because it's the team behind Game Night, and like I'm hoping they bring a little bit of that energy into it. Sure, Which, it I mean, seems a little bit like from just the Chris Pine character alone that that might be where they're going. It's possible, but they also, you know, write Marvel movies too. So like, oh yeah, they, but like the ones they wrote are like the great, like funny Spider-Man ones. Yeah, yeah, you can tell where they're where they're going with some stuff. We'll see. Um, I just the the source material is not my thing either. So Fair I'm, I'm welcome to be wrong. Uh, Sixty five. Very excited. Yep. They're really just kind of showing the same stuff, but yeah. what else do you need to show besides there's dinosaurs? I'm going to skip over this one because it goes to what we're talking about. I'm going to come back to that one. Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's another yeah. Transformers movie. Yeah. I feel, almost... like a- I feel like after Bumblebee, none of us know where we stand on Transformers anymore. Yeah, they made one that we didn't hate, and they're like, well, we're done for a while. You're like, what, what? Well, can't you just do that one? I'm also thrown um, off with this one because when I was a kid, I never grew up with like the 80s cartoon or any of the stuff with their vehicles. Yeah. I exclusively grew up with the Beast Wars stuff. And that to me has, was always Transformers when I was a kid. And then they get into cars and trucks and all this shit. And it's like, oh, I don't care about that. Give me a gorilla fighting a T-Rex that turns into a robot. Well, there you go. We got a gorilla at least. So, um, yeah, this if there were going to be a Transformers movie made for me, this is probably as close as it gets. We'll see. As long as they're they're aiming closer to Bumblebee, I'm I'm willing to at least watch it. Agreed. Um, Indiana Jones. Yeah. Again, they, they didn't fine. show us much new. Yeah. I think it's really um, the introduction that you know a lot of people watching the Super Bowl are like. Wait, there's a new Indiana Jones. There's a lot of that. I think. I w- I would be very curious to to know the metrics for how many people Googled how old is Harrison Ford right after that aired. It's right about it's about three percent less than Google uh, is Rihanna pregnant. Apparently that was a oh well yeah that was a whole thing. thing. Yeah, I mean I we remarked it watching, but didn't like then go and look up the information. Uh, Creed three, I uh, see this on Friday. Yep, I haven't seen um, any of them. I haven't seen yeah. Did, did do you know that I have that major blind spot where I've never seen any of the Rocky movies? You know, first Rocky is a romance. Yeah. Well, I think Kelly and I have been maybe talking about maybe this is the one that gets us to truck through the series since I think that'd we'll be have an interesting a way to do it. Yeah. And also like because uh, I've like, like I've, more... I've been wanting to watch Creed one and two because I've heard they're legitimately yeah. great. But I feel like, well, I owe it to the series as a whole. To... Yeah, 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 no, you should. Um, and also now they're just Marvel movies because it's Kang versus Killmonger with uh, Valkyrie in the middle. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and whatever no. Stallone's character's name is. <laughs> Oh, um, Stakar or something. Yeah, from the Rat, were they Ravagers? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they, oh, even more. Um, no, yeah, Rocky is legitimately good. It's it's somewhat of its time, but still, like, you'll, you'll get why it's a huge, successful movie at the time. Um, I think you might be annoyed by Rocky 2. Um, you, you have a vague idea of what goes on in these movies? I, I know about all of them. Like, you don't need to run them yeah. down. I'm, I'm, I'm aware of what happens. Yeah, I, I think personality-wise, two won't be something you like. But you'll well, like I've heard it's part. mostly the same movie, except he wins at the end. Basically, I think you'll be annoyed by like, but I like the fact that this one, that one had a point about it all. Mm. Um, three and four are cartoons, so you'll be thrilled by that. They'll probably Five be sucks. my favorites. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'll oh, you'll love it. Where like he he saved basically ends the Cold War by punching a Russian. Yeah, he'll, you'll love that. Oh yeah, 
um, five is terrible, but also like they pretend it doesn't exist. So that'll be interesting. And then the uh, Rocky Balbo is kind of OG legacy sequel. Yeah, it predates a lot of them. Yeah, they just didn't really give it another character. Creed is the is the real like legacy sequel of it all because they're like, well, we're moving you to a supporting role. Sure. Once you get into that, you'll be thrilled. You'll you'll like that. Uh, cool. What did you think of Air? Oh, the trailer. Um, yeah. looks good not it it doesn't look as great as it should given the pedigree but it's also one of those stories where maybe it just doesn't translate especially well to a trailer Um, i think so because it is going to be a movie about people talking well exactly so like there's only so much you can do to make that cinematic but at the same time i don't know like that's what you're going for so i'll be interested i mean i'm definitely excited to see it but um i don't know i don't know yet at least they didn't uh lean into like the creation of the shoe like showing the shoe being made like the things that in the trailer you'd be like oh is that your highlight so I, at least they leaned into like we're just going to show you like some decent dialogue and that's that's really all we're giving you right now and right what one thing that i'm not sure about is that as far as i'm aware they never cast anyone to play michael jordan and based on the trailer there's a reasonable chance that he may not even be in the movie or if he is it'll be one of those yeah it'll be like a weinstein cameo and she said kind of thing um and if that's the case then there's something a little off-putting about like i don't know taking his voice out of the story that's very much about him and making it about the white guys who signed the deal like well, I know they got, I know much. they got Viola Davis there to sort of curtail that kind of thing as the mom, and his but, he, but yeah. even with that, there's still an element of why is this I so much to... more their story than it is like yeah. Michael Jordan's story. It'll and I guess in, maybe I they're think... not quite ready to do the Michael Jordan movie, but at the same time, I, I don't know. It's just... yeah, you maybe you may run into like how much he's fine with like I don't care if you make this movie, but just don't go overboard on me. Um, it also just might be the trailer aspect of it. True. Um, but I also well, feel also, like if he's not like even if he is only in one scene, I feel like you're losing something of that story in general by not really maybe. having his perspective in it. I think have the well, the trailer at least says that like behind like behind the headshot to like signal he might be there. I think the thing yeah. trailer wise can't talk about the movie yet because we haven't seen it. But um, I hear good things. But, you know, consider your source sometimes. Sure. Um, the. The thing about a trailer is, and we, I don't know if we've even ever discussed this, but you know how um, internationally released massive movies often have to, like, deal with the, um, in the Middle East, like, you know, gotta lose this kiss, or in China, you gotta, you gotta oh, lose yeah, this, yeah, right? yeah. Trailers have that also, so I do think that some, you know, because they're not made by the studio often, they're made by, you know, they're outsourced to houses, and they have their own, like, research. I imagine there's some, like study that we would be annoyed if we saw that suggests that you're more likely to go see a movie if you see the faces of Ben Affleck and Matt Damon than if you see Viola Davis. So here's how much you have to show. You know, the the kid who actually cuts the trailer mm. is working with, like, spreadsheets of what how much they have to show of this, of that, of who, you know. So I do wonder if maybe there's a bit of that in there as well. Well, I don't know, because you see, like, Marlon Wayans and Chris Tucker still get a decent amount of face time. So it's not like it's like a complete whitewashing. No, no, no. I didn't even mean whitewashing, but the sort of, with very few exceptions, put a white male actor up against a, a non-white female actor. Sure. And, you know, money people will tell you who makes more money. It doesn't necessarily mean it's true. You know, we can we can find a very average white actor and be like, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't make any money. Why do you keep putting him in movies? We 
we have these conversations about certain actors all the time. Jared Leto. Trying. Well, yeah. Um, and the other trailer we can talk about for a second is Fast X. We have the inverse of me being like, I don't care about these movies. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I, it looked like a car flew and I was very puzzled by it. Oh, man. Well, my favorite part is the bit where there's the two helicopters on him and he swings them into each other. Oh, that's because yeah, that's cars do that. Th- that's the kind of insane bullshit cinema that I'm here for. And that is what these when they're good, these movies can deliver them in spades, specifically the five through eight era. It's been a little yeah. rocky since, ironically, The Rock left to do uh-huh. the spinoff and then, you know, try and not fail more of them, try and fail to take over the DC universe. Um, but um, I don't know. I just have so much fun with them. And I, this one, it's, you know, it's the beginning of the last two films in the series before they reboot it with his son or whatever. Um, yeah. And I don't know. It looks pretty epic. Jason Momoa's character looks super flamboyant. I'm here for it. It's got cameos from like half of everyone who's been in any of them before. And just, man, some of them have aged and some of them haven't. <laughs> And uh, I don't know. It just looks like a big, fun, silly time. And that's what I look for from these movies. Speaking of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Um, but also that like one's going to break my heart into a million pieces is what that one's going to do. Yeah, there's like two people dying in that movie, isn't there? Oh, minimum. I think Three. he might. I think he might. Get, I mean, remember the Suicide Squad? <laughs> he killed a whole team in that one. He, he don't give yeah, a fuck. Yeah. Uh, great use of music like the TV spot just goes for the joke of like Drax on the couch. But the uh, the trailer is uh, is very good. And boy, are we going to be upset watching how Rocket became Rocket? Oh, my God, that's going to be one. Well, I'm sure I see that adorable otter that they've paired him up with. And I'm like something horrible happens to that otter. I know it. Or he dies saving the otter. Right. Yeah. Well, it looks like flashbacky because he looks younger in the shots with the otter. So Maybe. I suspect that's like a cell. Oh, this is. um. A, be a, like a fellow or somebody maybe who didn't make it. Last of Us DLC situation. Yeah, exactly. It's the Storm which, Reed character. Which, give us a second. We'll come back to that in a minute. Yep. Um, Guardians looks great. Yes, I, I'm, that might, That's my favorite of the group. Um, and then something sort of James Gunn related, because we're going to talk quickly about the movies he announced. Actually, you can, if you want to pull that up, you can give the uh, sort of rundown on that one. Oh, I've because, got it. I've got it memorized. Okay, I've good. Been, I've been thinking about because, it a lot. <laughs> Yes, because uh, the other one is The Flash, which uh, Miles has complicated to, I don't even know if they're complicated feelings so much as like feelings about. And uh, I, I imagine it's weird for him because the movie is sort of rehabbing its image on the fly. And I don't know that you were particularly keen on that that have happened. No, not especially. I think now, I think up until this trailer, my feelings were not especially complicated. But now they have become re-complicated by the fact that it actually looks pretty good, which is yeah, really which fucking it, difficult for me. <laughs> trying, yeah, to take really a moral, trying to take a moral stance on this fucking crazy person who spent two years terrorizing and kidnapping people. But hey, yeah, let's like, stick them as kid, the face of a massive. But also they're the face of like people. this weird Batman multiverse movie that like I would absolutely be over the moon for in any other circumstance. It's frustrating it's also frustrating to me that like we finally got a good look at michael keaton and it's kind of embarrassing i didn't love it (laughs) i think think he looks a little awkward and i also think there's like 
you know, the very fan servicey where they like spend 30 seconds of the two and a half minute trailer to do the I'm Batman line. Yeah. Um, and then hard cut to a fully CGI Batman beating some people up and like, oh, yeah, these are definitely the same people. Yeah, though I do wonder if he's like maybe not been Batman for a while in, in that universe. I, I, don't I know mean, I don't know how he's flying around beating everybody up like that, if that's the case. Although maybe. it looks like I at don't... one point they've got a younger version of him. So I guess he gets de-aged at one point. Could true. I mean, it could be that or it could be another uh, timeline. There's, you know, whoever else. It could be. Maybe that's Val Kilmer's Batman for all we know. Who the hell knows? Yeah. Um, don't hold your breath. <laughs> no, no. I did think I, for a second that they were even going to be dipping into the Nolan stuff because there's a uh, motorcycle cycle, that looks a yeah. lot like the Bat Pod. But I went back to it and that's um, a new vehicle for Affleck's who's like doing like the gray and blue now, weirdly. Yeah. That I Batman just never like successfully stuck to an identity, did he? No, not really. Um, I imagine that when James Gunn and his announcement we're about to talk about said like, this movie's one of the best movies I've ever seen. You were hoping it was just spin as opposed to now where you're like, he might have actually really liked this movie. Oh, no. I mean, I'm not convinced that it's not at least partially spin. I think that's the movie they have to do the most damage control. He's not saying that shit about like Shazam or Aquaman or Blue Beetle. He's saying it about The Flash because The Flash needs its audience to hear that. Yeah, yeah. And also they've been using it to tinker whatever they want to set up for well, I think now at this point, all reshoots have been the service, whatever the new vision is. It seems to me like they took adv- initially Flash was going to be set up to sort of carry on or sort of soft reboot. But then the leadership changed three times since that movie went into production. So like original plans have long been scrapped, I'm sure. Um, but now they're basically using it as a way to wipe the slate clean with like Blue Beetle and uh, Aquaman just kind of being the final um, sure, sure. nails, you know, the after dinner mints, if you will. You mean um, until uh, until the Snyderverse goes to Netflix, right? Oh, fucking hell. Listen, if you're if you're listen, if you're out there and uh, I, I'm sure nobody who like is like that much of a diehard still. Uh, would listen to this because they, you know, just y'all need to fucking get over it. You just got to get over it. He had three bites. He had four shots and he made like one and a half good movies out of those four. And they're not all from the same movie. You kind of got to pick the parts that work, but it just didn't pan out. And just whining about it for, till the end of time online isn't going to make it like manifest into reality. Everyone involved wants to move on. Let it go. Unfortunately, anyway. <laughs> you mentioned like getting a grip with reality. Um, this is a group where um, a couple days ago, James Gunn even commented on this being like, what a wild hashtag. It's not happening because Netflix has no interest. I would have known they would have had to tell me to. But also the, the, um, the very, very central and salient point is that Snyder himself is very clearly not interested anymore. Well, this is he's making this, Netflix Star Wars or whatever. Like he's, yeah, yeah. he's Rebel, off doing Rebel his own Moon. things. Yeah. Is it Rebel Moon? Rebel Moon. Yeah. Well, it was originally a Star Wars pitch and then he just decided to make it his own thing, which fine. Yeah, yeah. Good for you, yeah, man. Good. Get yeah, out there. Yeah, he'll he make another sucker punch the if you want. I won't watch it, but I'm be happy for you. You might watch Rebel Moon. It's on Netflix. It'll be easy enough. No, um, I'll watch Rebel Moon. I won't watch another sucker punch. Sucker punch too. 
No. Suckier? What if he called it Sucker Punch to Suckier? <laughs> sucker Kick. Yeah. Um, no, but here's the kicker for all this. Ah, kicker. Um, when he said that, and when he went, also, uh, Zack Snyder called me. We've talked about it. He's happy doing his Netflix movie. I'm happy. He likes what I'm up to. We're good. This is great. Somebody responded to that guy by being, well, who's your source? Who's your source? Like, I'm the source. I'm the guy. That's, yeah, yeah, I'm me. one like half he, of that conversation. What are you yeah, talking yeah, like he about? He talked to me, and now I'm like, you're literally getting firsthand information. Like, you're a part of this now. Uh, like, like you are the secondhand source now. <laughs> exactly. You, you're in the chain now. Well, in any Ridiculous. event, Ridiculous. the Flash looks better than you hope it does because now you have to consider why it was one of those things where i was hoping it looked like crap so i could just ignore it but it looks kind of good outside of the ezra miller of it all yeah now you're like i don't know what happens now i'm like kind of angry that they've like basically locked up this michael keaton performance and all this batman stuff behind this flash movie that i've got to suffer through maybe we'll see we'll see i'm probably gonna decide up to the last minute whether i end up seeing it or not because we'll see uh, uh We'll see what the what the re- rehab tour looks like. Also, well, yeah, I th- I think regardless of how the rehab goes, I think they're you know they're trying to spin it positively. I think as soon as the Flash comes out and sort of settles down, as oh, they're going to move boot. on from him. Oh yeah, like what if I, real what if I quick. Get you fif- what if I get you fifteen minutes on Zoom with him? I would find literally anything else to do for the fifteen minutes. <laughs> what if you're the only person getting this interview? That's an interview that I guess will not happen. <laughs> oh, that's that's a shame. They come to you and they're like, but you can save the and they almost say Snyderverse. And you're like, no, let it die. There's nothing no, no. that Ezra Miller is central to that I want to be saved. I mean, maybe your wallet if he stole it. Uh, I, I've been needing a new wallet. Didn't for a they while steal now. a didn't they steal a passport? They stole a bunch of shit. They're a terrorist. Get them out of movies. Ezra Miller terrorist. I really hope that they they do figure their stuff out. Because I want them to be able to comment one day on this. You know, like, don't you kind of want to hear, like, listen, we all love Robert Downey Jr., but don't you kind of want to hear him tell, like, a story about his, like, wild days? Yeah, but I would argue that Robert Downey Jr.'s wild, like, being, you know, coked up and doing crazy shenanigans is very different than, like, kidnapping Kidnapping. people and leading a cult. Like, I don't know that I don't know that there's as much lighthearted wackiness to Ezra Miller's stories. Yeah, that that I think those are what the kind of stories where you just feel sad for everyone involved by the end. Yeah, there's a tonal difference, but it is rare that you get to hear from a cult leader. I don't know. I, I'm. It's a very. There's a lot of situation. Netflix documentaries that would beg to differ. Oh yeah, I forgot about those. There's. It's such a unique situation. Uh, interesting time. Well, and it really and is. You- it really is sort of because we're seeing a lot of similar stuff, and this is also a tangent. But with the um, with the Hogwarts legacy situation, where we mentioned that last week a little bit, yeah, yeah, where a lot of people are like, oh, you know. Trans people are telling us not to support this game because it supports a creator who supports anti-trans causes, and like, everyone. Do they is- say that about the book and the play and all that still? Because yes, all, right. all of okay. it, I all of sure. it. No, throw it I all know, in the bin is the I'm, has been the line. I mean, I don't watch it, so I don't care. But I, I believe the books still sell. Um, no, it all, it all, play. it all still sells, give or take the Fantastic Beasts. But um, yeah. and as I'm sure the game is doing very well. But it's the same sort of tonal dissonance where it's like after Me Too, there was this sort of kind of a social reckoning where it's like people are a bit more invested in, you know, 
who they support with their buying decisions or what have you. And I think these are two very interesting cases where it's all wrapped up with some very problematic people, but it's still like major stuff for the kind of people who are very excited. So if you're a major Harry Potter fan, you're very excited about the game. I imagine if you're, you know, if you've been following DC or if you love flash or, you know, I don't know why, but maybe you do. And, or, you know, even if you're just a big Batman fan like me, there's stuff in the flash that holds a lot of interest. So it's like, it's, it's pushing our limit with, you know, what will we let these people get away with? And, do we just have to like grin and bear it because it happens to be in a movie that could like determine the fate of what I think it's going to be something where it's such a clean slate that it doesn't even matter what ultimately happens in the movie because as soon as the gun stuff gets started, it's just going to be its own thing. That's my suspicion. There is a decent to good chance. That's true. Um, We're going to talk about that gun stuff in a moment. Two quick tangents to that. One of which I forgot while you were talking. Oh no, I've remembered it. It is, um, the it's funny how the the people who like movies and TV and media essentially while while this debate is happening who don't like sports are having a reckoning and a lot of people who like sports are like yeah no we've had to deal with this for decades now we root for the uniform we just accept that the people who play the sport are bad people mm. it's uh I think film and television and in a weird way games is, is a newer one felt purer in that sense You're like oh these he he's a romantically he must be a nice guy not you know. The, the horrible, horrible truth. Yeah. Um, so I note to that quick because you mentioned games. Did you ever play Dead Space? No. I know the remake's out and I've been meaning to – I'd be curious what? to try it. I, it yeah, looked yeah. very Resi 4 but in space and I just never got around to it. I I don't remember playing that much. But I'm playing the, the that company's new game, Callisto Protocol. Yeah, yeah. That's the spiritual sequel. Yeah, yeah. It's on, it's on a prison planet instead of a space station and it, it feels like – Maybe modern e closer to like Resident Evil Two because you're you're not overpowered. You're just kind of like hitting you're hitting them and like you have some guns, but they're you know they run out of ammo and stuff. It sure. walks very slow. It's very it's very um, odd. He feels heavy. It's mm-hmm. not bad. Couldn't tell you what the story is yet though, and I'm pretty close to done. But it has like a good like alien looking vibe. Sure. Though it did make me wish they would ever put out an Alien Isolation sequel. Well, so, I think they'll again. just probably do another Alien game. Yeah, but that was a very specific, like, survival horror game. Yeah, they do a lot of shooters. They do a lot of, like, military team tactic things or whatever. No, I know what you mean. Yeah, the, the multiplayer stuff sucks. But the the original AVP stuff was okay, or, like, Aliens. Yeah, but they haven't done something yeah. good with that And No, decades. that's like getting into, like, you know, X-Wing versus TIE Fighter was great. Like, yeah, we're, we're a long way removed from that, unfortunately. Yeah. I'm not asking for that yet. Um, back to the James Gunn of it all, before we get to the rest of the stuff we have today. Um was it a week ago he released this slate by telling you what the next, uh, not 10 um, years, but like five, two weeks ago now. Yeah. Well, we, cause you and I talked about it cause of one of the announcements specifically, but let's go, let's go through what he's, uh, what he's got cooking or what he cooked yes. already. So basically it's, uh, it's so funny cause just a few months ago it was either Dwayne Johnson or someone at Warner brothers was saying, Hey, black Adam represents, you know, phase one of the DCU is like, Oh, so that was just like, a decade's worth of prequel, but whatever. But now apparently Flash is wiping the slate clean. So starting with the new, new stuff, we're going to get all the stuff that was already finished out this year. And then 2025, that's when the new stuff starts uh, or on the movie side, at least. And so it's chapter one, gods and monsters, Mm -hmm. uh, which is very much, you know, 
reinforced throughout some of the character selections here, which range from the obvious to like the obscure, even by obscurity's sake. Yeah, um, which is very on brand. Um, So on the TV side, uh, the one that's, I guess, furthest along and will probably be the first one out is uh, Creature Commandos. Uh, which is such a James Gunn choice. It's it made it's literally just a team sense. of monsters. When he was like, "By the way, I wrote all the episodes of this." Um, so like, yeah, you, this is like a hobby. But it's like already written and like is apparently well into production. So that to me strikes me as something where that was something they were already working on, completely separate to him taking over. And yeah, that was in the game. That was it. He probably pitched it around the time of Peacemaker. Oh, totally. Peacemaker. Well, and apparently season two of that's still in the works, but we're getting a Waller show, uh, which cool. Great. That, that feels like um, Book of Boba Fett between Mandalorian seasons. Yeah. And I could see it being something where like I wouldn't be surprised if most of the Peacemaker supporting cast is in it because most of them have worked directly under her at some point, And also her daughter is there. So like, yeah, surely then, she would have a role. And John Cena show up for an episode. Yeah, exactly. Or they'll get a few other high profile cameos or like she's putting out fires with one thing or the other. I mean, listen, Hawkman or something. Yeah. Like Viola Davis has always been a great get for these movies. Like, I don't know if that character is off the bat interesting enough for her own show, but I'd be interested to see what they come up with. I don't know. if I wonder if they pitched her or she was like, I want my own show. It's one of the reasons I'm willing to keep doing this nonsense. Um, It may be a bit of both. I mean... Because she's, you know, effectively um, the DC equivalent of like a Nick Fury and Nick Fury is now getting his own show on the Marvel side. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where they can use her as a center point for some interesting stories. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, Also on the TV side, just to burn through that, um, we got two shows that sounded very much like these are going to be like the HBO like prestige shows. So we've got a True Detective-esque uh, Lanterns, uh, and we've got a Game of Thrones-esque Paradise Lost, which is all about uh, Themyscira and Wonder Woman's Island. Not clear yet whether Gal Gadot will continue or not. Um, probably not. Probably. probably not, because if they're not going to do anything with her for another 10 years, and she's probably not going to be ready. They, like they, It's been a lot of like, oh, you know, Zachary Levi or Gal Gadot or Jason Momoa. They could all come back. Totally. We just need to well, figure they, out. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah. We just need to figure out what their place in the story is. That says to me that, like, you know, they'll they might do a courtesy like, hey, you know, it's been 10 years and you're woefully out of shape. But do you want to play whoever again? And they're like, no, well, I mean, I did at the time, but it's been 10 years, probably not so much now. And I think yeah. they're kind of counting on that. I'm a little more into Lanterns just because it's such a strange sound, like prestige TV. He well, even mentioned, I think he said True Detective, of like space cops. Yeah, exactly. Earth, well, still. what's interesting is space cops on Earth, because they've been trying to adapt that one for a while now. And obviously we got the Ryan Reynolds movie. That's one of the worst well, things that's ever been made. And um, is there a Green Lantern Corps thing still in the works somewhere? No, this so it? this is replacing it. Greg Berlanti, who did like the Arrowverse stuff, he was working on a, the Green Lantern Corps. The original bad Green Lantern. Correct. It. Well, and I think he actually got a lot of his successful gigs off the back of that. So, you know, all's well yeah. that ends well. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, so this is replacing that. This is a whole new thing. Yeah, that was like well in and even had some casting. It was like moving along. Um, yeah, yeah, they because they all that was I think what was going on with um when Snyder wanted to have him in um the uh was it the Snyder cut or was it the original No 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 League? this iteration of the Lantern Corps was well after Snyder 
This was like within the past three years. Oh, so that was even announced. even further behind that one because he had a. I remember he had a. Like we're we're talking post Snyder cuts yeah. announcement. Yeah. Okay. Okay. There's. Yeah. They, this is proof that there they, there was a, gonna be a Green Lantern Corps movie around the time the original Snyder Vision was set up, but you know that would have been around the same year as the Cyborg movie, and we know how that went. True. By the way, Greg Berlanti, director. Life as we know it, the romantic comedy. Uh, yeah, they've always got a weird one in there, don't they? Don't you want to watch a movie with Katherine Heigl, Josh Duhamel, and Josh Lucas? I don't know that I do. <laughs> it's 150 minutes long. That's too long. Made, made $100 million. I've seen it. Well, <laughs> I'm very happy for you. Yeah, it looks a little better than your average rom-com, because he's a good director, kind of. But, yeah. You can um, pretend about that one. Yeah. yeah. So, so uh, Lantern two, sounds like it could yeah. be cool. Uh, just don't know. I think the casting will determine a lot of that one. Paradise Lost could be something. I need to know it's more. My least. I, I, yeah, it's the oh, one that like I just don't really. I don't have enough like Game of Thrones, but with women isn't enough of a thing yet. So we'll see where that goes. Yeah. He also could be soft paneling because they only have the thinnest of an idea so far sure sure well it's just like we want to keep the wonder woman side of things in play but we're not ready to jump into a whole new wonder woman movie yet yes. which probably same with green lantern as well so i think that's fair the show that i'm probably the most interested in is booster gold yes. which is uh a very you know fun joke character. of a character i think pre- well and it's literally like, like He's a loser in the future. He steals a bunch of technology and comes back to the past to pass himself off as a superhero, which, first of all, you know, you can definitely see, you know, after something like Super, why a character like that would appeal to Gunn. But he's also just a character that opens up a lot of storytelling possibilities and like especially some tonal possibilities, because some of these could be quite dark. But I think that'll definitely be one of the lighter ones. That might be the TV I'm most interested in. Yeah, same. Yeah. Uh, And on the movie front, uh, we are starting, as expected, with a new Superman, Superman Legacy. Uh, Mid-20s, apparently, they're looking for. Early days at the Daily Bugle and sort of figuring himself out. Kind of doing the Tom Holland uh, Spider-Man version. A little bit. Getting as early as you can get with Superman to continue on the story. But not quite doing his origin, which I appreciate because I could – I could do without another one of these movies where it's like 60% origin and then we've got it's to even like more, come up with a threat right at the end. It's even more um, the Holland Spider-Man of it all. Like, you know, he can just reference in conversation like, you know, when I grew up in Kansas. Well, and that's the thing because like Superman's been rebooted so many times and all these characters have like we, we get the gist of Superman as a character. We can just get going. Yeah. Um, like they got Keep one, by the characters way. and everything. It's 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 all we 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 gotta we gotta put the pedal to the metal here a little bit. Yeah. Keep in mind, people, this is coming after they wrap up with Flash, um, Aquaman. Yeah, this is and... starting in 2025. Yeah. So those things are are separate. He mentioned loving the Flash and like Aquaman and something else got lumped in. Like they're great. Like. Uh, yes, the, well, because yeah. this year we're getting Shazam, then the oh, Flash, Shazam, yeah. then Blue Beetle, then Aquaman, which Blue Beetle they mentioned is it was kind of made in such a way where it very much stands on its own. So I think they're just going to lump that in with the new stuff, which could Probably. be cool because that's a character that teams up with Booster Gold quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Superman Legacy, you know, James Gunn's writing it. Apparently they're courting him to direct, but nothing's set as of yet. Is he courting himself? I don't know, because I... 
I like, can't tell. It's all well and good to like show up and be the new Kevin Feige of DC, but Kevin Feige doesn't direct the movies as well as like running the overall show. And, yeah. you know, I feel like those are very different jobs and require very different sort of creative capabilities. And I, a part of me wonders whether he'd really want to do it that way or whether he'd rather focus on like writing and producing. I suppose Peter Safran can like hold down the fort for six months if there's like a full like period where he's off making a movie as opposed to. Oh, totally. But like, I mean, technically, he's currently doing that with Guardians 3, which I have to assume isn't quite finished. Um, Yeah. Yeah. He's sitting he's sitting on working on a computer now. Exactly. portion of the movie. He's he's. But I I, I feel like you can't quite oversee a whole cinematic universe and also direct. I don't know. It, It. it creates the illusion of playing favorites for starters, which, you know, not which that you need to risk movie. that with Superman, but like at the same time, I don't know, it's it's just it's two different hats. And I don't know whether he wants to wear both hats at the same time. Yeah, well, that's a that's one worth paying attention to as it goes on. Yes. Um, what if he got Zack Snyder to make it? <sighs> so the second movie he uh, announced was uh, one of the weirder ones, The Authority. Uh, which is a group of characters that I know very little about, but they yeah, seem to be that Watchmen breed of, or Peacemaker even, of uh, we've got to protect the world at any cost kind of thing, yeah. which feels like it's getting just right up to the edge of being overdone at this point. I mean, The Boys does a lot with that. Um, I wonder how much of it is about the whatever there, because he kept mentioning... This is all telling a larger story, right? And this yeah. is important to come here because it's going to fill in. It's going to give you a piece of the story. The thing he wraps up with very much, he like makes takes pains to tell you, like, no, no, this is important for what we're doing. So I wonder if um, that you need this version, not version, but you need these type of characters also for whatever the the thing is. Well, that's just um, it. They could be being used as kind of a connective tissue. Well, and especially because like. After the first five movies, we'll really only be a few hero heroes in, so we're probably a ways off. One. We're probably a ways off from a Justice League, so this these guys would maybe be the equivalent until they're finally ready. You think to they're take building to uh, who's their what's their big guy? They're Thanos, um, uh, Dark Side. You think they're building like Chapter Four is going to be Dark Side or Chapter Three is going to be Dark Side? I mean, it's hard to say because again, the Snyder stuff already leaned into that so much, and you have to imagine they're not wanting to just circle back around to end up at the same place yeah well, so, well i mean i guess brainiac maybe there's gonna be a big Bra- brainiac's one of those guys who he always comes up whenever they do a new superman movie as a possibility and it never quite goes all the way through but i think that'd be terrific or or you know an interesting take on lex luther like those are your two like yeah most well it depends like, hopefully they don't blow too big of a one for the superman movie i mean i think yeah. zod was the perfect choice for man of steel but then they never yeah went further than well, that it's, it's like the current <coughs> post thanos like well who do we have and you know everyone assumed um dr doom or um there's another big giant guy right was it galactus uh well galactus yeah but i think it was established as kang pretty quickly yeah yeah because there was that conversation of like well, well who are they gonna acquire like is it uh is apocalypse also in marvel or is that a dc uh, he is Marvel, Marvel but now, he's right? X-Men specifically. Yeah. Well, that's like as they started to pull in, like that's what Doctor Doom and, and all that like. Sure. But um, also Apocalypse got his own movie that sucked. So I wouldn't hold your breath for him anytime. Soon. Yeah. You'd rather you'd rather them not 
have that have happen. Well, I think they'd but, yeah. rather not like they don't want to do no. Phoenix Saga immediately after they did Dark Phoenix, you know? No, no. So that I think any in both of these scenarios, I think any storylines from the old regimes will they'll probably try and find something as a point of difference. Smartly. Yeah, smartly. Um, so yeah, authority don't know much about them, but it's very interesting that that's the second movie they're going to do. Um, third movie, we're getting the brave and the bold, um, which is a Batman movie, but specifically about starting the bat family, uh, and focusing on Damian Wayne Robin, which is a very interesting starting point. And it immediately gives you that point of difference for this new version, this new, new version of Batman that we're getting because we can never keep getting new. We'll actually have Robin. But yeah, we'll finally get a new version of Robin and an interesting version of Robin. Yeah, but also (laughs) exactly murder assassin Robin, which I don't know how they're going to tackle that, but that's fascinating. Um, But then, you know, because in the comics, he's like the third Robin down. So one wonders how much there's going to be an established Bat family. But when talking about the film, Gunn very much seemed to indicate that establishing that, which I would argue has been sort of very much a missing ingredient for most of uh, the other Batman films. Uh, So it's a great way to sort of make it stand out. That's what I like about this lineup in general is like, even the characters you're familiar with, there's some like new take or new perspective on them. Sure. And then we've only really gotten a bad family once and it was Batman and Robin. Well, yeah, it's the Schumacher stuff, which obviously didn't pan out. And then there's like the Lego Batman movie, which is probably the closest they've come. Lego Batman might be the best interpretation so far of that. Oh, yeah. Well, I still maintain that's the best uh, depiction of Batman as a character. Yeah. It's the only one that eats lobster. Yeah. Oh, well, that's the most. Oh, God, I love that scene. Love I love that, that movie. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, we're getting that. Uh, you know, the Robert Pattinson Batman is still moving forward. Same with New Joker. That stuff's all going to fall under Elseworlds, including apparently the Todd Nahisi Coates Superman movie is still happening. Um, or at least it's still in development. Totally. It's still in some form yeah. of development. But like considering how many things they've canceled without even saying anything, it's interesting that they brought it up at all as something that's still on the burner somewhere. Um, but um, I'm sure that one will get pushed down the goal lines a little further now that there's a bigger priority Superman movie yeah, it's, in the, it in is the pipeline. A, it's not don't call us, we'll call you, but it's take as much time as you need. It very much. It feels like that. Um, fourth film we're getting is Supergirl World of Tomorrow, which is a Supergirl centric thing, but um, it's based on a very specific comic run that I'm not familiar with. But it it's apparently a very new one, right? Yeah, it's much more recent, and it's much more. It's less of her, er, like she grows up in like on like a meteorite or something, and like is like oppressed and isn't especially powerful at first, and like has to kind of like deal with this whole society. So it's very much her dealing with space stuff and like she's not having the bright eyed optimism that Clark Kent has, which she also, is a great way to immediately make her different. So it's not just girl Superman. Yeah. And she might be a way of tying in the lanterns as well as sure. having sort of like the, the personality of like the authority. Like there, there could be more that are going on. Right. Exactly. One, potentially it opens the door for a lot of these like because you're already opening into bigger wide space stuff before you've even gotten into like a justice league so it's almost like they're starting from around and building in rather than building out the way that uh marvel did which is i mean might as well do it a different way yeah well listen you gotta try something you you, they've got a fucking gold mine with all these characters and they keep fucking it up somehow 
Um, And every now and then they accidentally make a good one. Um, And then the last movie they announced, which is very James Gunn, but it's wild to do in the first five, is uh, Swamp Thing. Which, if Twitter's anything to go about, might already have James Mangold potentially uh, going to direct. Which I mean, it does it does get into get in the way of you directing it, but yes. I mean, you know, I'll take the hit on this one. Sure. Um, he he wouldn't have been my first guess as, in terms of who would be interested, but maybe he's got l- some enthusiasm about that character. Maybe he read the comics. Yes. I don't know. He's, I mean, he's a genre he's, guy, so he's listen. If he ends up doing it, I think it'll be a great fit. He might under the radar have one of my favorite resumes of just like it's hard to know what he's going to do next, and he's a big name. To not oh, know I know, and it's next. easy for people to think of him as like a journeyman or like a director for hire because of how many things he does. But like even his less good <clears> stuff, <throat> like I think of like Night and Day, which like could have been great but was only kind of fine. He's still got like a certain verve to it and a certain like yeah, yeah, yeah that kineticism movie. that's that makes it a bit more exciting than it would normally. I, be. I wish you know you know you go back and that movie doesn't have ninety writers and is from the current era. Of like, well, Tom Cruise brings in Chris McQuarrie, and you can have someone else if you want. But Tom's gonna have Chris. That movie might be awesome because it was, yeah. it was, it has a good cast. Really, it, pro- it would probably be much less leaning into the romantic stuff because Top Gun, notwithstanding, he's kind of drifted beyond yeah. that. At this Though point he might, in his career. it might have leaned even more into the the funniness of it. Might, well, that's what I would have hoped because it's an interesting character and the concept, I think, is really rich for with comedic potential. But the movie only ever gets like halfway there. Yeah, it forgets sometimes because half the time it'll be like, what if, you know, he's 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 James Bond and, and Ethan Hunt and all these guys. But he's also like kind of klutzy in a weird way. Like he's 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 the best, but also a little bit like off. Like, yeah. Well, you know what it is? It's the hitch of it all. He's unlucky. He's he's not smooth with the lady. Yeah. Yeah, everybody's smooth in every other way. Yeah, yeah. He can he can do the double guns behind her and stuff like that, but he stutters a little talking to her. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, no. Throw in, if that's like the, the, the nadir, you know, the, the Coplands and the, and the Ford V Ferraris and the, and the Logans, they, they much outnumber this. It's just also wild to be like, Ford V Ferrari, up for Oscars, wins an Oscar. Goes to um, Indiana Jones, like an almost no win scenario. To like, sure, I'll t- I'll try uh, Swamp Thing. Yeah, why not? I mean, listen, he's 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 done enough high profile stuff that he's certainly earned, you know, the ability to sort of cut in line, as it were. It, um, it must be that he has something interesting to either say about it or like Swamp Thing, because otherwise, like, right? I know, they just came to him and he didn't care. Why would he care? Well, and he was, like, sharing, like, pages from, like, uh, certain comics as well. So I suspect there's, like, some sort of enthusiasm for the character. Even if he never read the comic, just conceptually, there's something there that interests him. Sure. Indeed. Um, I will say, yeah. I mean, we were talking about Indiana Jones earlier. The main reason I'm more optimistic about this one than I might be otherwise is because he's directing it. Partially because I think much the so. series... Um, could kind of use, you know, some fresh eyes, but also just because he is a really good director of action and he's worked in very similar sort of story types to this. So I think he's uh, he's got the right touch. Agreed. So that's, uh, but that's uh, the James Gunn yeah. DC stuff. We won't know more probably for a while, but um, I think we're all on a kind of wait and see because 
we've had impressive 10-year plans from DC before and literally never have they gotten it right yet. So like, you know, and there could be another regime change. There could be another merger and it could all go out the window. We just don't know yet. Um, But on paper, it's a lot of really interesting stuff. Yeah, real nice paper. Uh, Filmhawk face-off time from Ryan McDermott. Paul Rudd edition. Ooh. Clueless has got Romeo a new Ju- movie coming out yes. this weekend. Yes, Clueless or Romeo and Juliet? When was he in Romeo? Is he in the Baz Luhrmann one? I believe he is. Who is he in the Baz Luhrmann one? I believe it's a... Is he just like role? one of Romeo's mates or something? I believe so. I, I want to say he's in like the party scene. But yeah, he's in uh. Romeo plus Juliet. He plays... He plays. Okay, on there's a sub page to his uh to his stuff maybe. All right, Romeo. He doesn't play Romeo. Juliet. He doesn't. No, I'm kidding. Imagine if I was going through one by one. No, he plays Dave Paris, the governor's son and Juliet's fiance. Oh. 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 Okay. So I, he's in. I it believe for like, he would have been. He's in it for like thirty seconds. <laughs> I believe he would have been Paris in the old. Uh, yeah. In the yeah. Very small to Dave, Dave Paris. Dave Paris was stupid. Dave what Paris, a stupid I love it. movie. I'm going with Clueless, even though I've never seen it. Oh, well, I think I know what's going to be. But, on I, but I've seen year. Romeo and Juliet and I don't like it. Fair. I don't like Romeo and Juliet either. So it's going to be a sweep for Clueless. I want to interview Paul Rudd now just so I can call him Dave Paris and see if he knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. It sounds like a name he makes up in like an Apatow movie. Yeah. Yeah, or like uh, you know, like a um, like a pseudonym he's using to hit on women or something. Yeah, he's like, I'm a pornographic actor. My name is Dave Paris. Yeah, you know, like it's it, like, it's one it, of those things where it's like it sounds like it should be like uh, like a code for something dirty, but it just isn't. <laughs> it's just thoughtless. <laughs> um, Anchorman or the forty year old virgin. Um, Anchorman has bigger gags um 40 year old virgin i think works better like dramatically as well as being funny um yeah i'll go 40 year old virgin same love 40 year old virgin uh anchorman has the highlights but it's also way way dumber it's it's one of those things where it's like there's 10 minutes of just amazing like top tier comedy in that but then you've got to get through minutes. the other 80 minutes. Exactly. Yeah. Um, whereas 40-year-old virgin is pretty consistent. It's pretty funny. consistent throughout. And even when it's being a bit more dramatic, it still remembers to be funny. Yeah, it's Apatow. He's, he's, he honestly Well, it's Apatow, make... frankly, before he got a little too big for his britches. Well, before he, he decided he can lean into like his- Before he could decide it, he could make a three-hour movie about like- Someone getting not, cancer not and learning, then not, not having cancer lesson. and then trying to ruin someone else's marriage. Yeah. I mean, I, <clears throat> you know me, I, I enjoy a big swing. So, well, it's on the second tier, I think, of his work. I do think it's a little underrated. I kind of love the idea of it's a two and a half hour movie about a guy who has a near death experience and learns nothing. Yeah. I, it's very much. That, that, that lower tier is quite full on his roster, I must say. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, next movie that comes out, we can, we can get into that. Um, next up, Knocked Up or Walk Hard? Hmm. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I do love his little bit in Walk Hard. Uh, the whole Beatles scene is great. Um, 
Walk Hard or what was the other one? Knocked Up. Knocked Up? Um, I think Knocked Up, there's obviously more for him to do. And he's quite funny in it. Um, Walk Hard is one of those movies where, again, similar to Anchorman, it's got a, s- amazing moments, but like scene to scene, it's a little threadbare. Uh, so I'll go Knocked Up. Same. It's a sweep. I also prefer um, directed Apatow to sometimes um, writing and producing Apatow. one. Yeah. But this that's is a written one. He he wrote this one. Because he that's his uh, Golden Globe nomination is for the song. Oh, yeah. Um, Forgetting Sarah Marshall or I Love You, Man? I think Forgetting Sarah Marshall is probably better overall, but I Love You, Man is one of his best roles and has some of the best stuff for him to do. Sure. So for him, I think I go I Love You, Man. Fair. I have to go Forgetting Sarah Marshall because the movie is so great. It is great. I love it. I I mean, I love them both. They're both great movies. Yeah. No, no. uh, I Love You, Man is very, very good. Forgetting Sarah Marshall is like almost perfect. Oh, it's in great. a weird way. It's legitimately um, great. Oh, there's so much in that movie, um, and he's and his his actual like uh, supporting role is still great. Are you the guy from Kaiser Permanente? <laughs> do he, he's very quotable in that. Do less, do more. <laughs> That's not it at all. Eh, come on, we'll figure it out out there. Um, oh, the weather outside, outside is weather. Is weather, and of course the you know what I do when life gives you lemons. Fuck the lemons and bail. <laughs> Oh, so, and great. I just don't wear a watch anymore. Wow, that's so deep. Yeah, well, I mean, they have a clock on my phone, so. Yeah, I just don't really need it anymore. It's, he's, he's fantastic at that. Um, yeah. I Love You Man just has, like, the, you know, Jobin and, like, random lines are like, you know, that guy farted in my open house. Uh, that's the move. That movie has um, <clears throat> Jason Siegel doing the hello, the way he says hello. I think that so, That he yeah. does in Shrinking. And I noticed that when I spoke to him, I was like, you say shrinking in a very specific way that maybe is only amusing to me, but I get so delighted when it happens. And he immediately went, oh, you mean, and he did it. I was like, yes, I don't know why I love it, but it's my favorite thing in the world that you do, which maybe is not what he wanted to hear. But like, I don't know. He didn't. No one else told him that that day. There Um, you go. I got to go for getting Sarah Marshall. So they're both great. That one is an all timer. Yeah. Um, Ant-Man or Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp for me, the first Ant-Man to me, you can really feel how um, how sort of like pinched in it is by like having to change directors and kind of creative vision mid-flight. Um, yeah. Like it just the whole thing feels compromised and feel and like it's like kind of comedic, but it doesn't fully commit. And it's the stakes are a little too low and the villain's pretty one dimensional. And it's just, it's very much like lower mid tier Marvel. Like, and it kind of gets lower. The more of them you see Uh, the second one, it's not like world ending stuff, but I think because you've got Peyton Reed in there from the start, the tone is a lot more consistent. And I think it's generally just a lot funnier and nice and breezy and pleasant and easy to enjoy. Sure. We're agreeing again. I think we had a combined sweep. Oh, and you Did don't like when that happens. I don't really. But oh, no, know, we but... split on uh, Sarah Marshall. I love you, man. Okay, yeah. Phew. It's close Literally the last one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh... The thing about Ant-Man is I like the first one more than most because I like the change of pace. But yeah, you can definitely see the like, well, this is. I can see this scene would have been a little more out there if... Uh, if Edgar Wright had stayed. Right. Ant-Man and the Wasp, I could tell you way less about 
<clears throat> what happens in the movie, but I know I liked it better, which is a weird combination. But it p- plays into what we're actually going to talk about now. We're not going to spend much time on it because, as I mentioned last week, when Steve is on to talk about Ant-Man, we'll talk about the new one. Um, the reviews that come out, it's like hovering fresh rotten, like depending on what moment you looked at the uh, Last the I checked, it was like 53, 54. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's dumped a little lower. I think, to some degree, there's that, like, pile-on vibe now. Like, ooh, you know, blood in the water. But what I wanted to bring up was the Marvel movies have largely been um, fresh, not rotten, right? Right. So, at the same time, if you look at what they um, have scored, there's... um, an interesting disconnect that I'd like to I'd like to get into for a second, just because I think so much of this is like the the mood, you know. So fifty one percent right now for Ant Man and the Wasp, right? right? Most of the reviews <clears throat> are saying a similar thing. It seems right. There's a lot of it's 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 not the best, it's not the worst. Depends how much you feel like the multiverse. Like it, there's it a lot of the ones I've read. Even the people who don't like it don't seem to hate it. They're just kind of no. like, eh, just didn't have much to hold me, kind of thing. Sure. Now, at the same time, if we double all the way, if we go all the way back, The Incredible Hulk is 67%. Do you venture a guess that's likely to be a better movie? Wait, say that again? 67% for The Incredible Hulk. Do you think that The Incredible Hulk is better by like 15 points? I mean, I haven't seen it, so I can't say. As a guess, would you think? At a guess, I would assume not. Yeah. For example, Thor The Dark World, 66%. Yeah. A movie that what? most people would agree probably is rotten, not fresh. Yeah. Well, Iron Man 379, which was met with like a comparatively tepid response. Like the point I'm getting at is I think when when the Marvel when the MCU was new, it had a little bit of oh, we, we we're good for almost anything. And now that they're very much as we were talking about before, dovetailing into like, well, we're leaning into the multiverse now, we're taking sort of a bigger swing you're seeing people react uh, differently let's say to it so I'm, I'm not convinced that these movies are not being received differently you know they, they seem to be kind of similar in how they're being received it's just what is a two star rotten review to you now might have been a three star like eh, it's not as good as Iron Man but like hey right. look, there's Thor again I think there's also an element, and we've been feeling this for the past few years, you mentioned blood in the water. I think there's a very, maybe not overwhelming, but there's a sizable contingent of people who are just like waiting with bated breath to find any chinks in the armor just so that Marvel can stop being like the dominant entertainment force, which, you know, it's been that way for give or take a decade. Like, I can understand being ready for something else to take over. Marvel really isn't relying on reviews, but, you know, so interesting metric, but. Sure, but I think they're just looking for any evidence that the yeah, the, yeah. Star, the the steam is starting to run out. It's and I like, think there's, uh, there's some validity to that because we've talked yeah. a lot of, over the last two years about how phase four felt a little shapeless, a little without direction. And it seems they're starting to sort of lean into the bigger overarching story now, but like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I worry, especially with all the Disney plus stuff, I think cumulatively that could very much have hurt them as much as it helped them. Well, just Kevin Feige just recently said he's going to slow that down a little bit now. Slow way the fuck down. Just cause I think, you know, 
three, even four movies a year, like it's a lot, but it's doable if like that's the main thing you're interested in. But yeah. you throw like five to six TV shows a year on top of that. It, it just becomes overwhelming for most casual fans. And I think they're going <clears> to <throat> try and be experimental and like, you know, they've already, you know, played around with that a little bit like WandaVision leading into Doctor Strange and so forth, where it's like you don't really need to see it, but it does help with fleshing stuff out. I think exactly. they're going to paint themselves in a corner where like or even something like um, like Kang, like if Quantumania ends up, you know, underperforming and people are just like, yeah, I just skipped it because I heard it wasn't very good. And I'm kind of over the Marvel stuff and blah, blah, blah. And the trailer looked like Spike is 3D. Uh, then by the time Kang shows up in something else, and maybe he's a bit more impressive this time around, there's going to be an element of, oh, yeah, was he in the other thing that I didn't see? Whereas with Thanos, you never really got that because maybe you knew him, Adam, maybe you didn't. But it was always like little like teases and suggestions. And then he shows up with full force all in one go. They're clearly trying to spread out Kang a bit more than that, which I think is good as a point of difference. But it could also potentially create an issue where if he shows up in one too many that people don't like, then they're going to kind of lose the through line. And then he shows up and we're supposed to know who he is. I think you could definitely lose some people. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, a lot of that is very kind of what's going on at the moment. So like I said, more on more on Ant-Man next week when Smiles has probably seen it and, and Steve has been on to talk about it. But I was intrigued with this idea just of like the the, the goalposts are changing. So yeah. it ties into uh, Robert left us a question. Robert Hamer of the site. He said, if you're hypothetically someone who has become increasingly frustrated with Marvel's, in his words, overstuffed, busily plotted, visually blah movies that have characterized their post endgame output, would Quantum Mania reverse that trend? Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, no, it's it's very much concerned with the, the multiverse and explaining what's going on and trying to explain Kang. So that would not be the case. It is it is sort of made for people who are in it. This is not any this is not meant to be anyone's first Marvel. For whatever you want to take that as meaning. That's just sort of where they are. You know? Right. Really. Well, and it's like you can't double back and just do like a quiet, like standalone thing, like there's too much going on around it now. No, it's it's become its this is not its final form. But it has taken a shape that is not easily um, morphed, I think. It'll take a it'll take something more than like a couple people being like, I can't start a Marvel movie now to get them to to recalibrate. They're so far yeah. down the rabbit hole. But if I think anything, that might be where like But I think DC once they need Yeah. Well I, okay, that was the other point I was gonna make about DC is that there is a certain amount of curiosity and if they can pull off the big ones, like get a really good Superman movie, maybe even the authority is a sleeper hit. Who's to say they could end up peaking right around the same time that Marvel starts waning, because I think, you know, even if phase five does sort of get things back on track and more focused, you burnt through a lot of narrative goodwill after, you know, we had a year of nothing and then we had two years, which was like over congested and unfocused. I think they've probably lost a sizable contingent and don't know that even another endgame size event is going to be enough to bring that group of people back who are just like, yeah, I was good after endgame, and at a certain point it's just diminishing returns. And I don't feel that way, but I don't blame anyone who does. Agreed. We shall see. Um, Keith Lee 208 has a question for us before we wrap up on um, our 
weekly um, love fest for The Last of Us. Because spoilers, we still love it. <laughs> um, but Kayfully asks, I liked Ryan's question a few weeks ago, switching directors in the Best Picture lineup. So I did it with the acting performances this year. You may have to use your imagination on some of them. And I added a sixth in each category to make it even match up. So he gets to, or Kayfully, uh, gets to put in a uh, extra nominee. Which performance would you prefer? He says, Hall in Elvis or Austin in After Sun? Well, I'm going to have to really use my imagination because I haven't seen either movie. I don't think I've seen Paul Mescal in anything because he's relatively new on the scene. You're really I, gearing up for Gladiator 2. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, I can only get so excited because it's not the insane Nick Cave time travel Gladiator 2 that was proposed. We we don't think it is. What if it turns out to be? I mean, and they got Ridley back? Why not? Yeah. Um... So yeah, I I'm, I I really have to go off of vibes here. I feel like Austin Butler can probably play like a sad dad. Yeah, a little young for it, but yeah, I'd be uh, Paul, more interested. Paul in Mescal, I have trouble visualizing as Elvis, yeah. so I guess I would go Austin and After Sun. All right, Bill Nye in in Banshees versus Adam Sandler in Living. Um, tell you what, I want Adam Sandler living. I would love to see him. I would love to see him like play Sand a role Sandler. like like that. But I think the thing about living is that it's so dependent on the character's age, and Sandler's just not there yet. Whereas I think the age is less of a factor in Banshees, and I think Nai could very easily slip into that world. Sure. Colin Farrell and the Whale, Brendan Fraser and Hustle. Well, we already know from earlier last year that Colin Farrell is fine with putting on makeup, so he could definitely slot in. But what was the second one? The um, Brendan Brendan Fraser and Hustle in, in Hustle. Sandler's movie. I mean, he could definitely do it. He could definitely do it and probably do it quite well. Um, I wonder how much of the whale is reliant on Brendan Fraser. Well, that's just the thing, because there is it's a kind of a Birdman situation where there's that meta narrative that's as yeah. much a part of it as anything in the movie itself. And you definitely lose that when you go with Feral. I, I don't know. I don't know that it's a role that really plays to Feral's strengths, really. And I no. think Fraser and Hustle could work just as well. Agreed. Cape uh, Blanchett and Two Leslie, Michelle Yao and Babylon. Um... This is, I, I think, what seen... they mean by, like, sometimes the age is not lining up and things like that. Yeah, yeah, which, you know, you can't always get. Um, I don't really know. All I know about to Leslie is the Andrea Riseborough stuff that came up over the past few weeks, so... Um, it's, it's, she's a, she's a drunk. Just go with it. So it's, it's Blue Jasmine. Yeah, Blue Jasmine. I've, yeah, I've already seen Blue Jasmine. Blue, it's fine. Uh, Michelle Yao in Babylon, like, doesn't make any sense, but I want to watch what that looks like. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> um, Ana de Armas and Everything Everywhere All at Once, which I don't, maybe like that's a big swing. Um, I don't know how they would pull it off. Or uh, Andre Riseborough in Blonde. Um, I think Blonde is watchable mainly because Ana de Armas is doing like a very specific performance. I think Andre Riseborough, you might notice more of the transformation because she you know, structurally doesn't look like Marilyn Monroe. Well, I was about to say she would need much more help from like prosthetics or something to transform. It would look weird. I think. Yeah. I think that would become distracting. 
Ana de Armas and everything everywhere, like you'd have to change it a little bit, but I think that she would absolutely work in that milieu. Yes. Uh, Michelle Williams in Tar versus Margot Robbie in The Fablemans. Hmm. I don't know that Michelle Williams can be as like vile as Lydia Tar needs to be. I think she could have if she took this role like 10, 15 years ago. I think mm. she's she's settled into not laid back roles per se, but I don't see the hunger that you saw from her back in like the Blue Valentine era. Could um, Margot Robbie play the oddly hot mom of Sammy Fableman? I think so. I don't see why not. I, I don't yeah. think Michelle Williams would be bad as Tar, but it wouldn't be no, the... No. It, uh, but I agree, it, it wouldn't work as well Michelle Williams now as maybe Michelle Williams then. But yes. I think Margot Robbie could do, could work in The Fablemans. True. That would be a real like Spielberg and therapy thing, right? Margot very, Robbie is very. my mom. Uh, but wish we were in contact with him to see if he was into this idea. He'd probably just be confused about what we're doing. Like, why are you recasting my film? There'd be several questions. Why, why are you implying weird sexual situations that I have with actresses playing my mother? I mean, you kind of started that one, Steve. Like, there's a little bit going on in your movie, but like not creepily, but, you know. You, it's there. Yeah. You, you're, you're, if nothing else, Steve, I don't know why I'm calling him Steve. Can you agree? Well, it threw me off because your... I thought you were talking about our Steve at first. If he <laughs> just popped up. Um, Steven or Stevie. How about that? Sammy. Same. However you want to take it. Uh, can we agree this is your horniest movie at least? So anything's mm-hmm. possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, back to the well, – whatever. Carefully knew we were going to go on a tangent. Uh, Brendan Gleeson in The Fableman's Judd's part. Or oh, Kiwai Kwan. Part. Yeah. Or Kiwai Kwan in Banshee's Barry's part. Huh. Uh, I don't think either work is the problem. Yeah. I don't know that either of these quite make any sense. I guess i could see brendan i guess between the two i mean kikwan i could see playing the type of character that barry plays yeah. but not that character in that movie you know no. what i mean yes I just, I, 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 I just i can't wrap my mind around that fitting so i guess by default brendan would have to take it i was literally about to say that we have to default um barry in causeway versus judd and banshees playing brendan's part Oh. Uh, Barry could probably do Causeway. I don't know if it's as interesting, but he could. Um, yeah. I think Judd, I think, uh, Judd, I think Judd Hirsch could be uh, Gleason. Yeah, like the grumpy guy. I mean, the friendship. Yeah, I mean, I mean we well, you know what? Okay, here you go. Judd Hirsch and Bill Nighy as the Banshees pair. Yeah, that could work. I'm into that. I could, I could be into that, yeah. Um. Brian Tyree Henry in The Fablemans versus Paul Dano in Everything Everywhere All at Once. In what roles? That, not specified. Okay. So I'm going to so go Brian with Brian Tyree Henry in the Paul, as, in the Paul as, role. As Papa Fableman, I guess. Sure. I guess Sammy's sure. adopted. Yep. And and Paul Dano as, as I guess, uh, Waymond, right? I guess it would have to be. I mean, I know Paul Dano can do a role, at least, well, I mean... Key Kwan's essentially playing like 10 different roles at once, but at least yeah. some of them aren't that far off from the role that Paul Dano played in Okja. Yes. So for that, I feel like, I don't know if he could do the whole gamut and obviously there would have to be some, I mean, some of these are kind of 
dependent on race, so I don't know that I'm kind of, of these... into this Brian Tyree Henry and Margot Robbie as Steven Spielberg's parents. I mean that listen, that's that's a very different movie, but I want to see that movie. Yes. Um you'd have to rework the movie a little bit, but I'm kind of curious about the Paul Dano everything everywhere rabbit hole. I think I think sure. there's something there. Um Jamie Lee Curtis in Triangle of Sadness versus Hong Chao in Black Panther. Well, who would is Hong Chao playing the Angela Bassett role? Because there's many reasons why that doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think we can't pick that one just by virtue of it's. It does. There's a lot going on there. Like if you Jamie wanna, Lee Curtis could give play her Dolly the, De Leon. Well, no, Jamie Lee Curtis doesn't make sense in the Dolly De, De Leon role. Well, she makes sense as like the captain on the boat who like tries to tell her what to do at first. Sure, but, like, I'm assuming Kaifley is going with the the close denominated roles, but yeah, however you want to play it. Either way, I think we have to go Jamie just by virtue of. There's problems I, with the other one. I think there's problems with both, to be honest. I think... Yeah. Like, I I think Jamie, maybe when she was very young, could have played the Dolly role, but I just don't... It, it just... The things about that character, it just doesn't translate. I don't think either of these translate. Uh, Angela and Everything Everywhere playing ja- uh, Jamie's part, or Carrie Condon in The Whale playing, I assume, Hong Chao's part. Uh, both work. So let's flip-flop the other two. I, I Out of those, two, I actually... I actually really like Carrie Condon in The Whale. Like, I legit think she could have played that role and done it very well with it. Agreed. Agreed. Um, Before we wrap up, Last of Us continues to be brilliant. Boy, does it. It keeps topping itself. Yeah, would you like to talk about how they somehow managed to make... I still think Episode 3 is the best. But Episode 5 is a a close, close second. Uh, it's five for me. I think five is the best so far. Um, four is the closest to the game, I think, so far. Giving you a gameplay almost, like action. Maybe. I mean, four for me felt a, a bit more like we've got to take the time to really build up the relationship now, which yeah. uh, I think they did well. And it's also a lot, I think a lot of the reason why five works as well as it does is because it has four laying most of the groundwork for it. Sure, so it's a kind to, of a two-part episode. Yeah, very much so. And it's a two-part sort of story that's very much resolved by the end of five sadly but mm-hmm. um i don't know for me five just worked on every level it's like it's got the best action i think we've got from the show so far yeah because because um, we have a cameo love the bloater yeah. um which what a different way of showing that character yeah i know well, also I'm, what does it say about the, the show that i'm calling it a character as opposed to you know the monster well it might be a character because i we get very little time for it, and I'd be shocked if they spent all the money on budget and CGI just for like thirty seconds of screen time. So I, I mean, have to imagine we'll see it again. Pretty, it does do one pretty bad. Well, two, I guess, badass things. Sure, one, but one. you expect it to, you know, interact with our main characters or have a bit more of a a, a role in the overall thing. As no, instead to, it rips the head off the guy that, like, I think we were starting to be like, I think I like this dude. Just in time for him to die. That's a very yep. That's on also, brand for think, the genre. Do you think uh, he and uh, he and her were a thing? Maybe. I got at first. I thought, is that is, is that her dad or something? Um, for a second, I, or like older brother? I, maybe. I like, for a quick second, I was like, is that Will Forte? Yeah, it's no. a bit, he's uh, he's um, he's actually from the game. He plays Tommy in the game. Yeah, yeah. The, aren't we still due to meet um, the the uh, uh, Troy Baker and uh, what's her face? Yeah, we um, neither uh, Ashley Johnson, neither of them have showed up yet. Yeah, I thought we'd have gotten problem. at least one of them by now. I'm a little surprised about that. I feel like we're going to get them next episode at camp. 
Maybe. I my I was Ooh. led to believe that Troy Baker is part of the cannibal group. Okay. Um so he might not be till seven, but I don't know that for a fact. Is that or like maybe Ashley, I think we'll probably get an episode eight, because I'm guessing that one's gonna be the big Ellie exposition dump, and that's where we're gonna get a lot of the DLC and stuff like that. Yeah, we definitely are I mean people who've see, who've watched ahead know, but um yeah, I am curious where they put in I mean, I can see it being because they they've been remixing some stuff and like shuffling things around just a little bit. I mean, again, and I, we talked about this um, with the episode three. They're hitting, they're getting to the same story beats. They're just sometimes taking a different way to get there. Like so, this episode we got Henry and Sam, and they are very, very faithful to who they are in the game. But yes. they also have some extra wrinkles thrown in. And, you know, their relationship with Melanie, Melanie Linsky, who's a new character, is uh, sort of makes their whole thing different. Also, and, new character that I couldn't, for the life of me, be sure that I hadn't seen in the game, which is how well they're integrating it. Well, that's just it, because all the new stuff, like... It feels like it's from the game and it feels like you're playing the game and it's got that sense of tension. It's got that sense of the world falling apart and seeing people's stories and seeing the best and the worst in people in these situations. And I don't know. I think there's a lot of really they're just they're knocking out of the park. Like I haven't had any complaints about the show as a whole so far. No, and it makes me very interested in how they're going to tackle the second game. Yes, I think they need to take their time. Yeah, because they clearly have a, I don't want to say a take, but they have a, a method at which they're telling their this story in a new way. So I want them to, I desperately want them to continue doing so. Yes. All right. Um, I think that's it, right? I didn't miss anything notable that we wanted to talk about. Uh, not that comes to mind. Excellent. Cool. So when we come back next week, hopefully we'll be able to get a little more into Ant-Man and uh, there'll be a couple of rewards That'll have happened by then, so we'll, we'll tinker with that stuff. This is the calm before the uh, the phase two storm, so enjoy the calm. And uh, Miles, uh, say where you can be followed, and um, I was going to say something about like your your summer of sci-fi, but like that's you don't need to tell us a title now because you're going to eventually reveal that if it happens. Um, what do you think? chapter two of, of dc will be about okay where do you where do you think they're they're moving because we know the gods we got your superman right we got your monsters we got your swamp thing obviously the other people will be one of the two personality wise because yeah. that's how metaphors work but um what do you think chapter two is going to talk about okay okay actually because i thought initially before they even said anything before i got to the batman bars i wonder if chapter two might be the brave and the bold Mm, they could. I mean, if they wanted to be bold, they would just fucking hold off on Batman for a hot second. Yeah, he could have kicked off two, and then Brave and the Bold could also be the expansion of these characters as they ever so slowly move toward what will probably end up being the Justice League. Well, yeah, I mean, that's they the ine- that's the inevitable meeting point. You gotta... Yeah. But I think they'll take their time. Probably. Well, however you want to tackle it as you repeat yeah. where you can be followed, because you did tell it earlier. Uh, just a little bit, but yes, you can find me on both Twitter and Letterboxd at Miles on Film. That's, excuse me, that's M Y L E S on Film. Uh, on Twitter is where I've been doing a lot of the updates for the Twenty Eight Days of Love. So if you want to see my mini reviews for those, or my um, 
uh, announcements about what's to come each week, uh, definitely follow me there. Yes, you yes. can find my short films, Once Upon a Dracula and American Exorcist on YouTube. They are under Chase Capo and Aftershock Pictures, respectively. And as far as Chapter 2, I think they have to start bringing in some of the other core characters. So, like, we might get a Wonder Woman movie as opposed to just the show. Uh, Things like that. Uh, Probably expand on the Bat family. Maybe do, like, a Nightwing movie or something like that. Um, Then some random... Maybe that's where they'll find some room. Because I'm curious... Supposedly, we're still getting a direct sequel to um, uh, the Keanu Reeves Constantine. Yeah, they just announced it's taking a step forward. Taking a step forward, yeah, yeah. Which, oh man, finally. But I have to imagine that would be Elseworlds unless they feel like wrapping it in. I gotta Um, imagine Elseworlds. Maybe, but at the same time, Constantine and Swamp Thing have a lot of comic history. And they've always talked about wanting to do that Justice League Dark movie. Yeah, if there were ever a scenario where they get to Justice League Dark before Justice League, it's this one. (laughs) That's true. I do wonder if in that world, um, Constantine shows up in Swamp Thing. Maybe. Maybe a new version, because they'll probably want to go, you know, a bit more blonde, a bit more British, a bit more classic. Yeah, I don't don't think Keanu is going to be their Constantine. No, I'll say this. If we're only talking and, you know, they might be expanding more of it. There may be many more movies in chapter one, but just based on what we have so far, if we're only talking five movies per chapter or whatever, yeah. it, it might not be till chapter three that we get Justice League. I I, I don't think they're going to rush my, into that's it. That's my hunch. Um, I started to say that earlier. I think I think chapter two will be the rest of the heroes. And chapter yeah, three that, the, the that'll be other. sort of exactly sort of rounding everything out. But I think they're going to take their time. I think they're going to hopefully focus on telling individual stories that are interesting and then sort of let everything else evolve out of that. Agreed. Um, well, you can find me at Joey Magatson, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, all that jazz awards radar is on several of those things. And um, I'm just going to throw out as my own thing. I want to get to the place where Miles has a month theme every day, every month. So he watches 365 uh, films a year. Uh, go insane. The, uh, the, the, the spring of sexy, just erotic thrillers and, and such like that. Um, fall of fantasy. Oh yeah. Well, the one that Kelly's trying to push that I'm going to resist as long as I can is a uh, musical mayhem. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Well, I mean, that means you have to have Repo the Genetic Opera in there just because of the mayhem aspect. No, no, I do not. I've seen Repo the Genetic Opera. I'm good. I don't need to see it again. You really like uh, Darren only when he does one particular thing. Well, he does it well. That's true. Um, we'll see how uh, how Kevin does it, which we have we have uh, we were talking off air as we wrap up that we're we're hoping that that Saw trailer comes soon so we can. Uh, gather Kendall for a uh, special special dispatch from the from the trap from the special dispatch from the bathroom <laughs> and uh, although knowing them it'll be like a 40 August. second tease that we get like in September if it's Halloween it must be saw you're like yeah you know you said that already and also we've it's had a lot of Halloween time. since like the the late 2000s where it hasn't been saw <laughs> true so just cause problems in any event that's where we'll be soon hopefully for now 
will be uh, at the movies. And that's where we will uh, see you there. See what I did there? I did. I did. Mm. Next week, guys. Same bad time, same bad channel. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and to visit awardsradar.com for the best in awards and entertainment content. <laughs>